You Albion calling. You Albion calling. Good evening. My name is Theodore Pilkington Rhubarb, and you are listening to the ARC Light program. Now, coming up in short order is our lovely laying low liturgy, a slumber time stories. But first. Oh, good heavens above! Someone is very keen. I'll not even introduce the next feature. It's almost like they're reading my mind. Mabel, this better not be another of your gentleman callers. Ahoy hoy. This is the Albion Radiophonic Corporation. Theodore speaking. Good day to you, listener. Are you ready to play? Can you guess what it is that I'm describing? Wait. Stop right there. Based on your voice alone, I'm going to guess your name and manner of employment. Hmm, well, the spirits are sending me some letters. I'm getting an F and maybe an Epsilon. Wait, wait. Well, this is astonishing. The spirits are telling me that you have the exact same name as me. Cecil Phantasma. Clairvoyant to the well-heeled and loose of purse. Good day to you, fellow Cecil. But I'm babbling about. My name is Theodore, I just told you. The spirits are never wrong. Now for your employment, I'm getting the word stematologist. Has Mabel put you up to this? I'm a radio presenter. This is the Albion Radiophonic Corporation. Now do you want to play... Can you guess what it is that I'm describing? Or are you going to just rant like a lunatic all evening? The spirits do not engage in cheap gimmickry for the sake of public entertainment. You could win three shillings. They are prepared to make an exception just this once. How convenient. Well, it works thus. I will give you three clues and... No clues. I will enter the spirit realm and divulge the answer to your crude tomfoolery with celestial intervention only. Oh, spirits, is there anybody there? Ah, Mrs. Letterbox, what's that you say? Speak up, dear. I'm a little deaf in my middle ear. I know it's barely worth your time. The answer... the answer is... a tree! Are you by any chance the clairvoyant to Lord and Lady Cheam? What? What? No, uh, this is Mrs. Letterbox. No, I've never heard of Lord Hercules and Lady Boudicca of Cheam. Really now? Anyway, that is not the answer. The spirits are never wrong. Wait. What's that you say, Dr. Envelope? It's more detailed than simply an arbor alone. There are some sort of fauna amongst the boughs. Do not say goat. Ah, is it a partridge in a pear tree? No. Now, while I do admire your phantogasmoric enthusiasm, perhaps it would help a little to at least hear one of the clues. No clues. The spirits are mortally wounded by your lack of faith. How could they be mortally wounded? They're all dead, aren't they? How dare you? What's that now, Lady Stamp? This man is a bumbling buffoon. Reluctantly, I'm forced to agree. 
Ah, I see. Well, that's a good plan. Lady Stamp is going to take away two wrong answers and leave only one right answer. Do what? Oh, look, I'm not sure where you and your so-called spirits get off on telephoning a man only to launch a tirade of abuse at him. But, oh, uh, okay, Mabel is reminding me you are allowed three guesses. So for eightpence halfpenny. No clues. Ah, old granny postal system. <laughs> I wondered when you would show up. <laughs> now, certainly sounds like the right answer. Not a bird in the tree, something hairier and more horned. Do not say... Is it a goat? Oh, for crying out loud, what did I just say? The spirits are never wrong. I declare the answer is a goat betwixt and between a tree. <laughs> I will now astral project my address for you to send the monies to. Hmm. 104 Acacia Avenue. Since you are clairvoyant, can the spirits tell you what I'm thinking right now? No, I, I mean they're not getting anything. Just as bloody well. Goodbye. Well, he didn't predict that. And now on the light program, it's time for Slumbertime Stories. And this week, it's the first part of an exciting whodunit. ARC presents Admiral Sherman Solves Another Case or The Mystery of the Missing Missive by Darren Callum. How's he, your Uncle Bay? cried the nearest fielder as half the team of the Metropolis Irregular 3rd Eleven jumped in the air with fervent abandon. The Hound, Admiral Sherman, and her erstwhile companion, Dr. Wasat, leaned a little further forward in their respective pews to see what the umpire's decision in this clearly borderline leg before might be. Typical, sighed Wasat. Now they're all appealing. That was clearly creeping down leg side. The Admiral was forced to agree with this statement before lapping noisily at her bowl of Baskerville stout. Uh, what is creeping down whose leg? inquired a newcomer to the group, sidling her way down the row to approach the sleuthing duo. The Admiral turned with annoyance to shush the arrivee, only to see that it was none other than the robust frame of the Right Honourable Eva Blazer, the new Albion Minister of Particularly Ticklish Foreign Affairs, and, dragging her hairy frame up onto her hind legs, nudged her companion to make space for her to sit. I'll be honest with you, she continued. I don't really follow the rules of quad cricket. No, it's not so difficult, began the doctor, shuffling across to make room. There are four teams. Two batting and two bowling on two wickets, set at uh, right angles uh, to each other, like a cross. There the japes as the runners attempt to avoid each other. Mind you, there was controversy last year when they replaced the coin toss with a day of speed chess. 
His voice tailed off as the Right Honourable Lady seemed not particularly inclined to follow his explanation and then raised a hand to halt him completely. Another time, perhaps, she chided. They have rather more important matters to discuss, if I may. Well, if you are looking for a detective to solve a case, I'm afraid that Regina and I have retired. As if to emphasise the point, he leaned back in his pew and made a not very discreet effort to earwig the outcome of the recently heard appeal. I'm aware of this, but the matter at hand is rather, well, ticklish. It could be extremely troublesome to one of our leading allies. There are very few agencies with sufficient clearance. The good lady was interrupted, this time by a loud sigh from the sparse crowd around them, as it seemed that the result of the appeal had been a not-out. And to cap it all, the Antipodean All-Stars had sneaked three additional runs in the hiatus. No, we're going to be flat last in this game, moaned the good doctor, slapping his thigh in frustration. Just typical. Please, if I may have your attention for just a few minutes, I'm sure you'll be interested in helping me out. Well, not just me, but the whole country. Uh, very well, madam. The doctor turned back to her. How can we be of assistance? Well, it's all rather embarrassing, began the lady minister in subdued tones. But somehow a very compromising letter has got missing from my state box. The, the nature of the letter is so sensitive that if the contents of it were revealed, then the consequences could be catastrophic. That it could lead to war is not an idle understatement. Well, by now she had their attention, and not even synchronous sixes by both the Antipodeans and the Caledonian Chairman's Eleven could tear their interest back to the field. In any case, it seemed the game was lost to the new Albionians, with a very real possibility of fourth place in this particular game. So with no great reluctance, they retired from the match to the relative cool of the MQCC members' bar to chew over the juicier details of this delicious-sounding mystery. And so it was that, glass in hand, the minister explained to them that the compromising letter had indeed gone missing from her official red box two nights before. But the nature of it was so potentially embarrassing and indeed confidential that only the PM and the minister knew of its location and it was impossible to conceive of how anyone even knew it was there to be purloined in the first place. Admiral Sherman chewed thoughtfully on a handful of pork scratchings in contemplation. However, the good doctor, who was getting a little tipsy on his third pint of porter, had an immediate theory. Wait a minute. Aren't we missing the obvious? Clearly not that obvious, as both the hound and the minister looked at him blankly. It's like that story. You know, the detective one. Sheer luck hums or something? No? No, I read it only last fall. It turned out the minister's wife had been having an affair and been blackmailed, due to the same, to remove the letter by foreign powers, her not knowing what its true contents were, naturally. I hope you're not suggesting my husband is having an affair, exclaimed the minister, looking really rather unamused at the suggestion. Well now, can you rule it out? accused Dr. Whatsat, brandishing his pipe in an accusatory fashion. 
He's been dead a year, responded the minister, not best pleased. This in turn caused the Admiral to spit out her mouthful of ale and bury her head in her large paws. Oh, right, uh, sorry, Your Worship, uh, not that then, <laughs> not, not that at all. Feeling really rather flustered, the doctor thought it was best at this point to shut his cake hole, lest further inflammatory theories emerged unbidden. The minister took a deep breath to calm herself and let out a slight sigh. Uh, although, now you mention him, the butler swears he thinks the house is haunted. We'd only moved in a couple of months before my husband's untimely passing. Well, by this point, the Admiral had heard all she needed to. A missing, diplomatically important missive. A possible haunting. It sounded just the thing to break the tedium of retirement. Quad cricket notwithstanding. She let out an affirmative bark, which caused everyone present to jump in their lounge chairs. After they had regained their composure, it was confirmed that the Admiral would take the case, and with much smug satisfaction, yet another round of drinks was ordered to celebrate. Two days later, the Admiral and Dr. Wasat arrived at the country pile of the Minister to begin their investigations. In the interregnum, it seemed that more spooky goings-on had occurred, and the butler had quite a catalogue of weirdness to report. Items had gone missing or had been mysteriously moved about the place. Nothing of such consequence as the missing letter, but inconvenient all the same. Even the house itself, in a secluded part of the old forest, seemed mysterious and more than a little creepy. And all these uh, strange goings-on appear to occur after dark? inquired the doctor, sucking thoughtfully on his pipe whilst the Admiral sniffed noisily around the Minister's distinctly quirky office. Festooned as it was with odd-looking pipes, mechanisms and wires in the eastern range of the house. The butler nodded his agreement to the statement. Oh, then there is no alternative. We'll have to stay over and see what happens this evening. He bent over to examine a very bizarre clock-type thing, with a weird array of dials and buttons built into the wall, only a couple of feet off the floor. No, distinctly weird office this. Case in point, what's this clock all about then? muttered the doctor, tapping the offending instrument with his pipe stem. The doing of which caused a series of ominous rumblings and clankings to emit from the wall and the floor all around them. Eh, please don't do that, muttered the minister, looking a tad annoyed. The doctor looked more than a little shaken, and he seemed to be reappraising his bold statement to reside the night in this clearly haunted house. Well, in any case, about the staying over thing, continued the lady minister, looking a tad uncomfortable. I'm afraid there is a slight problem there. Oh, it's not really up to me. The Admiral must observe comings and goings for herself. Uh, she can't solve your case without all the relevant facts, admonished the doctor in a mildly patronising way. Quite, quite. Well, it's not that you can't stay here. It's more that you'll need this. With a swish of her hand, the butler was dismissed from the room and returned mere seconds later, holding, at arm's length, with a pair of tongs, what appeared to be the skinned pelt of a rather large and manky cat. And uh, what is that, exactly? 
inquired the doctor, somewhat alarmed as the Admiral raised one hairy eyebrow in extreme scepticism. Well, this is what the young folk like to call a cat onesie, or some such, declared the minister. A a, a cat onesie? What, pray, do you intend us to do with that? Well, I'm afraid the Admiral is going to have to wear it. With this terrible suggestion, the Admiral's eyes nearly bulged out of her skull. Seeing that they were clearly none the wiser, the minister continued undaunted. Uh, My elderly father is staying with us tonight, Major Blazer, and since the unfortunate incident in the Congo, he's developed a bit of a phobia of canines. Uh, So you are saying that she has to wear this uh, outfit? Uh, Well, indeed. What's wrong with that? Well, it's a cat suit, for heaven's sake. And the Admiral is a five-foot-long, three-feet-high bitch. Uh, I really don't think anyone would be fooled by this pathetic attempt at disguise. Don't you have a, a bearskin or a rhinoceros suit or something a smidge less, uh, offensive? Well, I'm awfully sorry, but it's all I've got, and I'm afraid I must insist. It's for your own good, after all. What happened to the last dog that came in contact with my father? Uh, I really don't wish to relay. No, for heaven's sake, exclaimed the doctor again. But it seemed there was to be no argument in the matter. And so it came to pass that a few hours later, the Admiral slinked back into the study, looking rather sheepish in her terrible uh, cat disguise. The butler had arranged an occasional bed for the doctor, and to complete the uh, deception, an oversized cat basket for the Admiral. Seeing their discomfort at both the outfit and, in the doctor's case, the possible encounters with ghouls to come, the butler tried to make a little small talk. You know, my mother thought her house was haunted. Oh, really? replied the doctor, who couldn't have sounded less interested if he tried really, really hard. Yes. Turned out to be a false alarm. Really? What was it then? The squirrels in the attic. The Admiral and the Doctor exchanged sceptical glances. Uh, Squirrels in the attic, you say? Yes. It was the nuts that gave them away in the end. By this point, the sleuthers too were trying their best to ignore him as they made up their beds and prepared to settle in for the night. Talking of nuts, continued the butler, without being asked. The last owner of this house was a bit of an eccentric. Uh, I'd never have guessed, sighed the doctor, adjusting his nightcap and glancing around the bizarre room. However, a nudge from the Admiral, who seemed more interested in this titbit, caused him to add a supplementary... Uh, 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 Well, who was that then? Uh, A so-called inventor. Clatterbang was his name, I think. With this revelation, a glimpse of a smile crossed the Admiral's face. Before she remembered she was dressed up as a mangy cat, and her face fell again. Nevertheless, she headed off around the room, sniffing eagerly at the skirting board again. After a while, she returned to the good doctor and pawed keenly at his leg. Ah, ah, what's that, Admiral? Uh, Oh, right, right. Uh, yes, Uh, okay then. Uh, My good man, started, what's that? Turning to the butler. Uh, The the Admiral would like to use your telegrammatic equipment, if that is acceptable at this uh, late hour. The butler eyed the hound carefully, before replying, with only a certain degree of scepticism, Well, as long as she doesn't come across the Major in the hall, she can help herself. It's the third door on... His voice tailed off, 
as the Admiral, needing no directions to locate the necessary equipment from a mere butler, hustled busily out of the room. Not fooling anyone, that outfit, muttered the butler, as he extinguished the gas lamp and left the doctor on his own in the spooky room with just a flickering candle for company. Well now, that is a mystery indeed. Wait a minute. What's this music playing now, Mabel? This isn't what we agreed. Hmm? What's that? Just appeared on the gramophone and began playing. Hmm, yes, very spooky, I'm sure. Hmm, well, it's not as bad as some of the music I've heard. Who is it? Right. Right. It's hard to read the label as it's spinning round. Well, no, don't stop it. Oh. Right. So it's Mickey George's Civilization Unseen. No, no. Okay, slowly, slowly. Mikey Georgeson and the Civilized Scene. And the, the song is Industry. Ugh. No, I've never heard of them. Yes, yes, please start it again. <laughs> well, on that unprofessional ending, good night, New Albion. I wish you dreams of a bright future. All stories, voices, and characters created by and copyright to Darren Callum. With the exception of Cecil Phantasma, who was played by Mikey Georgian. All music by Charlotte Savigar, with the exception of Industry by Mikey Georgian and the Civilized Sea. For more information about Mikey Georgian, check out www.mikeygeorgian.com. Tales of New Albion is available to buy from Amazon online stores or via Bandcamp where the album is also available. For more information, go to www.talesofnewalbion.com or search for Tales of New Albion on Facebook. Tales of New Albion is a monkey teaspoon production for Albion Radiophonic
so with no great reluctance, they retired from the match to the relative cool of the metropolitan. So with no great reluctance, they retired from the match to the relative cool of the metropolitan. Oh, metropolitan, metropolitan. So with no great reluctance, they retired from the match to the relative cool of the metropolitan. Metropolitan, metropolitan, metropolitan. So with no great reluctance, they retired from the match to the relative cool of the met <laughs> Metro Metropolitan, 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 Metropolitan Quad Cricket Club. So with no great reluctance, they retired from the match to the relative cool of the Metropolitan Quad Cricket Club's members' bar to chew over the juicy... <laughs> so, with no great reluctance, they retired from the match to the relative cool of the Metropolitan... <laughs> so, with no great reluctance, they retired from the match to the relative cool of the Metropolitan... Of the Metro. So, with no great reluctance, they retired from the match to the relative cool of the Metro. So, with no great reluctance, they retired from the match to the relative cool of the MQCC members' bar to chew over the juicier details of this delicious-sounding mystery.